You may just want to grab your Bibles, um, or one of the Bibles in the pew, um, and we're going to follow Esther. Um, it's, I think it's on page 994, um, Esther 4, because you're all going to read a verse together in a minute, so um, just grab that. Let's pray and ask God's word to speak to us. Father God, we come before you again because we come in to your word. To ask that your word may speak to us. We come before you to worship you, to hear from you expectantly. May we listen to what you have to say to us. In your name we pray, amen. That's always a good preacher's prayer because if it doesn't go well, I can say you weren't listening to God. You know. When Jonathan first started um, in, in Fitzroy, he was sitting somewhere over there where Patricia was sitting. And he said, um, that was the longest four-pew walk I've ever made. Do you know what? I understand that now. <laughs> that is the longest walk from there to here. Um, when, I, when Steve asked me to, to speak, I said, what, what do you want me to speak on? And he said something like, uh, speak about the new year. So um, that, that's going to be our theme. What could we learn or lessons for the new year? When it comes to this sort of time between Christmas and New Year, we all need a break. We've all had lots of food to eat. We had lots of family around, and we and we breathe a large sigh of relief when they go home. <laughs> it's also a time when we look at our past year and we reflect on our past year. And some of us have had difficult years, different years. It's also a time when we look forward to our hopes and our dreams. For me, this is a time we can almost start over again. as an opportunity to say, I can do a line in the sand, I can maybe do something different, be something different, I can start all over again because January is coming. I have some new, I can make some New Year's resolutions. Some people even write down New Year's resolutions. Some things they want to change or start over again with. So we look at our lives and we write New Year's resolutions and we say, I want to be different than the past year. According to the University of Stranton in Pennsylvania in their Journal of Psychology, they did a survey in America about what were the top five New Year's resolutions that people made. Can you guess the first one? Can you guess the first one? This is interactive, so you've got to shout it out. Lose weight! <laughs> so that was the top one. The second one, anybody? Got a clue? That's a bit of heart. Get fit? Nope. Was get organized. Number three is spend less, save more. Number four was enjoy life to the fullest. And number five was staying fit and healthy. 47% of the people who responded said their their New Year's Year's resolutions fitted into a category of self-improvement and education. And 38% their New Year's resolution fitted into a weight resolution category. Just some useless information for you. 
New Year's resolutions, of course, is a time to reflect. And it's a very positive thing. It can be a very positive thing. Louise and I, um, every year we, we, we write New Year's resolutions for the family and things we'd like to achieve and to do. And each family member has its own New Year's resolution list. And we put it up in a public place so we all can see it and remind it. So if it's about losing weight, we can say that's one donut too many. So when people come around to our house, they talk about it, they look at it, and they go, oh, that's, that's interesting. And usually when people get to my New Year's resolution, they laugh. We won't go there. <laughs> so in the next few minutes, I'm going to be asking you to take that opportunity, to take this opportunity to reflect or to look at your incoming year. I'm going to ask you to take the opportunity opportunity to look at what does your 2014 look like there are some big events happening in this church in 2014 there's going to be a big building project taking place babies will be born in this church you will be taking vows to be part of that baby's life as a congregation you may be getting promotions or getting new jobs we're going to spend the time reflecting on the how and what questions. How do we want to live this year? What do we want to do? And we're going to be asking and seeing Esther and asking, what does Esther suggest to us about how we can live our lives in 2014? Or how does Esther help us reflect on how to live out our faith and trust in God? I'm obviously in doing so making loads of assumptions. I'm assuming in here this morning has Christians who want to live a life deeper in Christ, who want to fall deeper in love with Him. I'm also making the assumption that if you're not a Christian, you're here this morning because you want to seek for something deeper. You're looking for something. If you fit into neither of those categories and someone's forced you to be here this morning, I apologize. But I do ask you to open your hearts and your minds to what could happen. What could God say to you? The book of Esther is one of those books that people use as inspiration. A lot of Jewish, Jewish community uses an inspiration. It's a book that they love to read and study. It's also a very hard book to study because nowhere in the book do they mention, mention God, anywhere in the text. People also have mixed feelings about the book of Esther because the main character in Esther was chosen to be queen. She wasn't chosen to be queen out of love. She was chosen because of her good looks and because she pleased the king. If you want to know what that means, come speak to me afterwards. It's also a very hard book for a man to preach. And Trish, you'll enjoy this. The book is about men making mistakes and the, men and the woman fixing it. So not much has changed there in society. Most of you know the book of Esther but because we're taking a break from uh, our series in John, let me just give you a quick run-through to what we got to in our reading. In the book of Esther, King Xerxes deposes the queen uh, and chooses Esther in something of a beauty competition. He chooses Esther because she's beautiful. He chooses her because there's something different about her. One of the significant events that takes place in the book uh, happens with a man called Mordecai. Esther's cousin. Mordecai is a man who brought up Esther, looked after her, taught her the ways of God. 
And Mordecai hears that there's a plot against the king. And Mordecai tells Esther. And the, the, the king is saved and Esther and Mordecai, Mordecai gets all the credit for that. The king appoints a man called Haman to look after the affairs of the kingdom. Mordecai angers Haman because Mordecai would not bow down to Haman. Presumably because the law states, Jewish law states that Jews don't bow down to any other god. Haman is not happy about this. He goes home to his family and his wife and he says, you see that man Mordecai? He's not bowing down to me. And they encourage him to, to kill. They, they encourage him to kill Mordecai. So Haman goes to Mordecai and they hatch a plan. And Haman goes to the king and they hatch a plan to not only kill Mordecai, but to kill all the Jews as well. And this is where we pick up our story and our reading. When Mordecai finds out what's about to happen to his people, and that the king has already sent edicts to his kingdom to say, we're going to kill all the Jews on this specific time and this specific date, he dresses up in sackcloth and rubs his head with ash. And he, this is a sign of mourning, and he mourns. Now, when you see someone mourn, when you think of someone mourning, in our culture, sometimes it's a very dignified thing. But when someone mourns in the Middle East, it's, it's, it's loud, it's audible. They are shouting, they're screaming, they're shouting, no! Loud and loud. You can feel it in your bones and your skin. They mourn. They mourn. So when Esther hears about this, she's in great distress because she knows that something drastic is wrong. She knows that Mordecai wouldn't just do that for no reason. She knows she's mourning. The Bible uses the word distress. And if you go to the Hebrew word, distress means she's overtaken by terror. She's overtaken by terror because she knows something is wrong. Mordecai, a cousin, is, is mourning at the gates. It's at this point we come to our first challenge for the new year. Ask yourself, when you look at the world you live in, can you imagine crying in distress about something so much that people around you are overtaken by terror because of, because of, of how much you are crying for something? Another way to ask this question is, is there something that God has put on your heart that you are willing to cry for, willing to mourn for, willing to say, that, that's not right? You know that feeling when you do something or need to do something and you just have to get it out? This could be big things, like maybe um, helping all the poor in Belfast. It could mean fighting injustices. Or it could mean other things like knowing that your personal relationship with God is not right. Or don't have one. Or knowing that the way you live your life is not the way that it should be. When we reflect on our life and what we desire for the future, is there anything in your life and our lives that we want to change or should change? Is there anything in your life that is stopping you from having a better understanding of the love that Jesus Christ has for you? 
See, Mordecai mourned and shouted over his gates because he knew that this wasn't the state that God wanted. That current state wasn't what was God's plan. He mourned for his people because he knew that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Something needed to be done about it. Is there something that you need to do? Is there something that God has placed on your heart to do for 2014? Something that you'll mourn for, something that you will do anything for. Could it be that this is the year that you want to go and discover what the love of God means in your life in a real, tangible way? In our story, Esther tries to reach out to Mordecai by sending him some clothes, but he doesn't accept them. After this, um, Esther sends her unit to go find out what the problem is, to go understand what the problem is. She orders Hathak to go and find out, to be curious, to ask why. As a mediator, it's good to be curious. Because curiosity means I'm going to go and discover something. I'm going to go find out why. Can I challenge you in 2014 to go and find out, go and discover what is it that God wants you to do? As Steve always says or points out in a prayer, where does your deepest gladness meet the world's deepest need? Where is that place for you in 2014? You may want to do that by coming to volunteer in some of the activities that we have in Fitzroy in the community. You may want to speak to Heather about doing that. You may want to go on a trip to India as a start of your discovery. Another way we can approach the new year is without fear. And more accurately, approach the year trusting in, God with all, trusting in God with all our hope and our minds and our souls. Sometimes when we find out what needs to be done or difficult decisions that need to be made, we are gripped with fear. Because sometimes it feels too big. Sometimes we worry what other people will think. So you make up all sorts of certain excuses as to why we can't do it, why we can't move it forward. This is what Esther did in the passage that Louise read. When she found out what needed to be done, she said to the equivalent of, are you crazy? Have you lost your marbles? I can't do that. Do you know what happens to people who do that? People who go into the king's presence without him calling them, they die. Sure, everybody knows that. It's been such a long time since he's called me into his presence. Does that sound familiar to you? Fear, making excuses for things that we know we should do. Sometimes we say, often, including myself, I don't have a lot of time and we, we busy ourselves. It's one thing so that we cannot face something that may be more difficult or hard or something that God is asking us to do. Then Mordecai helps Esther to focus. And he first gets very cross with her. He says something like, you will not be spared if the Jewish people are killed. Then he hits a more reasoned approach. And this is where I want you to pick up your Bible. I want you to, to look at uh, Esther 4, verses 14. And we're going to read it together. Um, so I know there's a few Bibles in the round. Um, 
the pews, because this is the central verse of this passage, and this is a verse I want you to take away with you to read. So we'll read this together, okay? So verse 14. If you keep quiet at a time like this, help will come from heaven to the Jews, and they will be saved, but you will die and your father's family will come to an end. Yet, who knows, maybe it was a time like this that you were made queen. So I want you to read nice and loud that bit from yet who knows, because that is the important bit that I wanted to grip you. Okay, let's go. Yet, who knows, maybe it was a time like this that you were made queen. Maybe it is a time like this that you were made queen. This is the center of this book center of this passage. What if you were created for a time like this, here, now, today? What if this is your moment? My friends will tell you that I love birthdays. I've got no theological uh, thought on this. I just like birthdays because I get presents. But also like birthdays, just one of those things that I think God's plan came into motion the time you were born. That time you were born was the time that God meant for you to be here. And all those things came into action that you were sitting here this morning listening to this sermon. And you may be saying, Lord, why did you do that? But this is the time, right here, right now, that you were chosen to be here. What if you were put right here, right now, this moment in time, to make a big difference. To put your trust and hope into God, in God in 2014. In our story, Esther suddenly wakes up and sees the right thing to do. She's at a crossroads. She needs to make a difficult decision. And she knows only one way that decision should be made. It becomes clear to her what to choose. She knows what needs to happen next. She knows what her task is if she's to save her people. She knows she has to go to the king. She risks everything. She knows that in order to do this, she has to overcome her fear. A, t- a temptation could have been to do nothing, to just let it, let it happen. A temptation could have been to just let it flow through life. She lived in a lovely palace where she was waited on, looked after but she had personal courage and was willing to face her fears. When we face our fears, we decide which sort of person we're going to become. When we face our fears and we know that God is with us, we become more like the person that God wants us to be. Why do this? Because this is the part that makes us feel alive. When God asks us to do something and face something in 2014 and we go with God, this is the part that God wants us to do, to be more alive. What does God have in store for you? In Esther's case, the action is more important rather than the outcome. The action was to go to the king. As one of the commentators put it, hope can arise, hope and healing can arise. Hope can arise and healing can begin through the very deed of action itself. 
through the very deed of action itself. I may not know what the outcome is going to be, but I'm going to trust in the living God. Where did you get this from? On the time of Esther, they, the community of Jews were in the minority. They, they, there wasn't Christians or Jews on every street corner in the around them. They were, they were invaded. They were out of the place that God had wanted them to be. They lived in small little enclaves. And they got hope and trust from the little families that they had. They, they, those families learned and trusted about the laws of God. Those families learned about the traditions of God. Families like this. Esther got hope and courage because she came to church, if we look at it in today's world. She came to church to learn about God, learn about trusting and having faith in God. This is why it's so important that we meet together. You can't do this at home. We do this together as a community of Christians. And through that community of Jews, she learned to follow God. Esther came up with a plan. But before she put that plan into place, she, pro- she fasted and prayed. She knew that before she did anything big, or before she was about to do this, that she needed God, and she stopped. She fasted and she prayed. And she did this because she knew that God would look after her. She knew that she would put her faith in God. When Jesus was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he challenged the years to, to ask, he challenged the years about where they were putting their faith. In Matthew, we read Jesus' words. Look at the birds. Do they plant seeds, gather a harvest, and put it in a barn? Yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth more than birds? Can any of you live a bit longer about worrying about it? And why worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers grow. They do not work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you that not even King Solomon, with all his wealth, had clothes as beautiful as one of these flowers. It is God who clothes the wild grass, grass that is here today and gone tomorrow, burned up in an oven. Won't he be all the more sure to clothe you? What little faith you have. See, what Jesus is trying to say here is that the beauty of Jesus is that you can put your faith in him. The beauty of 2014 is that right now, right here, you can make that decision to put your faith and hope in him. The story of Esther ends well for God's people. They are saved because Mordecai mourned and because Esther was brave enough to trust in God. So I challenge from Esther to you for this incoming year is to go find out what God has in store for you. Spend time praying and talking to people about it. You may want to write in a journal. You may want to have conversations about it. But don't let life just carry on the way it did. Go find out what God has in store for you. Don't let fear stop you from finding out that. 
Don't be scared. Make that step. Step forward. Find out. And the last thing is to pray. Pray and fast before God. Build your faith and trust in God so that you'll be brave enough to do what he's asked you to do. And who knows what will happen if you put your trust and faith in him. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you may speak to us now. We ask that in the silence we may ask ourselves, what do we want 2014 to be like? Help us to be brave like Esther. To put our faith and hope in you. Help us to leave this place different than we walked in. Because our eyes are upon you. In your name we pray. Amen.